Would you turn in your Bibles to Romans 10, beginning with verse 9? And that's right in the middle of a sentence. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then if you'll turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, beginning with verse 37. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Here ends the reading of the scripture lesson. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm one of those people who can uh, step right square in the middle of a controversy without even half trying. I was invited to uh, do the worship service for a little country church. And they said, oh, no, by the way, would you mind doing the Bible class also? Well, the Bible class on that particular Sunday happened to be on the book of Job. And as I was beginning the, uh, the discussion, I mentioned in passing that some scholars think of the book of Job as an extended parable. Now, notice exactly what I said. Some scholars. One of the members of the Bible class exploded because he thought that he heard me say that that passage from the book of Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, was false. Not only did he react violently, but he put me on report to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Luckily, the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod at the time happened to be Jerry Kiesnick, who knew me and also knew the fellow that put me on report. But you can get into trouble, not simply for what you say, but for what people think that you might have said. The scripture lesson today talks about the centurion. And as you recall from last week, the person who had been condemned was led from the scourging post to the site of the crucifixion, surrounded by guards and led by a centurion. 
and the centurion had responsibility for carrying out the execution or executions on this particular day. And as Jesus reached the point of death, the centurion said, this man surely is, and that's where the problem lies. I consulted uh, seven of the most popular English translations. Every single one of them reported the centurion saying, truly this man is the son of God. Two of them had, uh, had footnotes uh, indicating an alternative translation. The problem is that the Greek doesn't have the definite article in that particular place. So we are not sure exactly what the centurion said. Did he say, as he looked at this man, he died valiantly. He was truly a son of God. Or did he say, this truly was the son of God? What did the centurion say? Or more importantly, what was going on in the centurion's mind? Young woman, came to see me in my office in the church in Corpus Christi when I was pastor there. Her husband uh, was, had been a, um, a law enforcement officer in Corpus Christi, but he aspired to be a state patrolman. And he did become uh, a member of the state force. Well, one day after uh, he was on duty, a deputy answered a call to a trailer on a dirt road out in the country. And it was an ambush. A young man was set up across the road from the trailer. And as the deputy pulled up with his focus on the trailer, he was shot and killed. Well, when they didn't hear anything from the investigating officer, they sent another deputy out. And he drove into the scene, and he too was shot and killed. Then the highway patrolman was sent to find out what was going on out there. And as he drove up, he recognized that something was seriously wrong here. And he threw his cruiser into reverse and tried to back his way out of there. But he was too late. And he was shot through the, through the windshield and killed. This young lady truly had known tragedy in her life. And she was left to raise their, their daughter by herself. Well, some time went by and uh, she began seeing a, a man who asked her to marry him. But with the stipulation 
that if he married her, she would have to attend his church. And that's what brought her to my office. So we talked about it for a while. And then I said, what is God's criterion for salvation? Well, being raised as a proper uh, member of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Ascended, she knew the right answer. Faith in Jesus Christ. Not whether or not you know all of the answers, and certainly not, God is not certainly going to judge us on the basis of our exemplary lifestyle. No, it's simply through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I ask her another question. I said, uh, does your fiance teach that Jesus Christ suffered and died so that all of our sins might be forgiven? Did God give Jesus Christ so that we might be drawn to him? And she said, yes, uh, sort of. And that's where Pastor Kirk managed to get himself into trouble again. I said, while you are attending your fiance's church, simply remember who you are and what you believe. Do Christians disagree with each other? Yes, of course they do. On lots of things, when you come right down to it, and it's important that we do understand what we believe because there is a, a lot of consumer religion out there. There are lots of people who say, well, if you follow God, you will be healthy and wealthy. And the sad thing about that is they have made health and wealth they're gods. And God simply becomes then a means to achieve what's really important to them. Christians do disagree with each other. Disagree on things that are of vital importance. I mean, what's the sense in having denominations if you can't get into some uh, kicking, biting, hair-pulling uh, discussions once in a while. But we do disagree with, with things as basic as baptism and as Holy Communion. Well, can we learn from other Christians? Of course we can. Does Pastor Kirk have all of the right answers? Get serious. God, in his own wisdom, has decided that he will use the most fallible of human beings to tell his story of grace. A long time ago, Pastor Kirk figured out that uh, to be a success, what you need to do is to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are.
St. Paul, in this whole mishmash of Christians conversing with each other, said that there is one thing that is absolutely true, absolutely certain. And those are the words that he penned in his letter to the people in Rome. And could we bring that up, please? Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. Next. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. That's it. Simple faith, simple trust in Jesus Christ. One of my favorite preachers, Carlisle Morney, who described himself as a Baptist south of God, put it this way. Jesus Christ faithed his way through the crucifixion. He simply trusted that God was going to bring him out on the other side. When you and I reach the point of death, we're gonna to have to do exactly the same thing. We're gonna to have to faith our way through to simply trust that what God has told us is true, that God has done the heavy lifting, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world for our sake, for you and me. Well, if we're gonna do that at the point of death, why not do it right now? Why not trust in God right now? And if we do trust in God, then that immediately opens up all sorts of opportunities for us to grow. We can begin to ask ourselves, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ? What does it mean that God has forgiven all of our sins? What does it mean that God knows every single thought, every single word, every single deed that you and I have ever thought or done. There's nothing that we can say or do or think that's gonna surprise God. And yet he is still willing to forgive us for what we have done. Well, we can ask, what does faith in Jesus Christ mean to us as parents, or children, or grandparents? What does being the people of God mean when we talk about being married? Or within the framework of the work that we have been called to do? What does faith in Jesus Christ mean to us as we deal with the resources with which we have been entrusted? Yes? As soon as we raise the question of faith in Jesus Christ, it raises all sorts of implications for the way 
in which you and I live. There was a centurion standing, looking up at this figure on the cross. This was his duty day. He was responsible for carrying out the executions on that day. What was going through his mind? Was he looking at this man and saying he really did die valiantly? He truly was the son of God. Or did he say to himself, truly, this is the son of the most holy God. And therein, find forgiveness and freedom. Amen.